Enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Two thousand eighteen. Hope and Chris finish the last episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Luckily, dependable Dave Filoni and crew create Rebels with new characters, new places, and new adventures, thus keeping hope alive for this podcast. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Rebels. In this episode, the Ghost Crew returns to Lothal but find that the Imperial occupation has taken a much darker turn. There will be... Zepp has a really dumb hat. Not Zuko, returns after three seasons. Callus and Rex fight over the ghost, and we finally return to Lothal. We're talking about the occupation this week. How you doing, Krius? Good. How are you? I'm alright. A little, a little tired, but doing good. Didn't get in my afternoon nap, so... Now it's like 8 p.m. and I'm just like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> I need to get break out of my habit of taking afternoon naps. But, I was p- packing up Star Wars stuff today. Oh. Put in my I, basement. For just the shits and giggles and organization or like to sell it or what? Storage. Maybe eventually sell it one day. I, I, t- I took two big storage bins down into the basement and got them all sealed up. Got seven big gigantic plastic storage bins down there so far, and one small one. I wish I had that much Star Wars stuff, but I'd probably I probably got three or four more bins going down too. I got, I just gotta find the bins. <laughs> it's probably a good thing I don't have that much Star Wars stuff because I would not have a place to put it. That's I already thing. have things living in my floor. My bookshelf is my floor, so <laughs> I don't have a bookshelf. A, uh, a bookshelf, so I have a floor of books. I can't even tell you how many bookshelves I have. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous, and I know the one I want. It's like it's like black squares, and the reason I want it is so I can also put like my figures on it and stuff too. So it's both a bookcase and a thing to like showcase figures, and I want it. I totally recommend milk crates if you can get access to milk crates. Or find. I feel like this. we've had this conversation before. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> doing now, and they, 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 you can put a lot of books in them, and you can stack them in any shape you know configuration you can put spaces in between them for stuff so yeah that's in college um and i still have the sides for it it's like there's like kind of like floppy things that you you it's like plastic floppy things but when you like put them in a box and you put the little things on the corners it makes like a little box shelf i yes. used to have those but I can't find the little actual plastic corner thing. So they're just a bunch of floppy sides. They're just, yeah, yeah. Kind of need yeah. those those uh, braces or whatever. 
Yeah, so they're just I just have a bunch of floppy side things. I did tuck duct tape some together just so I have some. It's like to you got a body up. without a skeleton. Yeah, I duct taped a few of them together because I hate folding socks. So I just put all my socks in one of those, and now it's like a sock basket because <laughs> I hate folding socks. <laughs> but yeah, I'm doing good. Just tired, trying to survive the week having a good time i was on uh, a podcast on friday they their episode might be out by the time this episode comes out if not it'll i i think they said a month and we're two weeks ahead so it might be a couple more weeks but keep an eye on a uh, geeky girl gab because i was on their show and they were such lovely ladies and we talked about rogue one and it was just a really fun time so check them out and of course i'll post it on the on the uh what is the name of our podcast? J Guys and Jedi. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. My brain just hard stopped there. I'll put it on the J Guys and Jedi Twitter, and I'll also put it in the Two True Freaks uh, Cantina page when the episode comes out. You're getting involved with too many podcasts. You can't keep them straight. Oh, man. Yep, yep. I, I experienced, like, super hard burnout last week, and I think I'm, and then I got sick right, at, like, on the tail end of the hard burnout, so I think I'm just kind of still recovering. I'm just like, uh, I just need a nap. <laughs> but we're not talking naps today. We're talking about the occupation. What'd you think of this episode? I liked it. I liked it, too. I um, didn't, it it, it could have been better. I'm Maybe I'll know as we talk about it how it could have been better. <laughs> But I mean, I, better as in it could have been a really great, great episode. But it, in the end, it was really good. I I think to me, like, it felt more like we're still recalibrating season four after season three. Um, and, and I have a note about that, about how, like, we're recentering the story again. Um, because it's it's really cool in comparison to season one. But... I, 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 it's hard to put my finger on yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, it's. I really it's like the, this the last too. Actually, pretty much all of season four so far has been very consistent, you know, but it's it hasn't been like that that crazy forward momentum, you know. You know what it, it feels like to me? It feels like there's a lot of action happening. But because all of our characters are to a certain place, they're having to spin the wheels while yeah, while the plot catches up. So they have yeah. to start resolving plot issues because it's the final season. But all of our characters have already gone through all their complete journeys. So now we just have, like, character-wise, they're just kind of going through the motions as the plot's uh, coming back. So it's like... Okay, we wrapped up Mandalore. Okay, we're with the Rebellion. Okay, we're back on Lothal. But, like, all of our characters have no really big changes, so it's just so much action and drama, but not, like, character development, you know? Yeah, yeah. A little bit of character. I mean, there's always a little bit of character development going forward, but nothing, like, radical, like... It wasn't like Sabine atoning for her past mistakes. Right, right, right. In this one, it's sort of Ezra getting what he asked for. And regretting know. it, you know. Yeah, yep, in the worst way possible. Yeah. All right, you ready? I am. All right. Oh, that was a weak burp. All right, here we go. 
The Occupation is the 64th episode of Star Wars Rebels, and it was released on October 30th, 2017. Happy almost Halloween 2017. It was written by Christopher Yost and directed by Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. The design of Lothal was meant to emphasize the ecological mismanagement of the planet, transforming the pastoral green grasslands into something akin to the Dust Bowl era of the United States. As per design notes, the pollution of dust and smoke would make it unclear whether it's day or night on Lothal. Really funny note that I didn't know about when I was watching Rebels Recon. They were talking about the changes of Lothal. And when they showed the shots of the like world shots of Lothal in the trailer, fans actually thought it was a completely different planet because they didn't realize Lothal was that bad. <laughs> so after this episode came out, fans were just like, oh my god. <laughs> so they tricked the fans. Good job, creators. Old Joe's Bar is now operated by Baron Valen Rudor. Rudor has been around since season one, being well, being the TIE fighter pilot that faced off against Zeb in his intro short and a few times throughout the early seasons, like in the episode Empire Day. The TX-225 assault tanks in this episode were developed for Rogue One. The Rebels' design is a bit different, having being a hovering model, while the tanks in Rogue One had treaded wheels. This was because Rebels' animation had to be locked in by July of 2016. The Rogue One tanks were a last-minute change in the film. And for Rebels Recon for this week, I hate that Rebels Recon for Season 4 puts all the episodes together. So it was for this week and next week because all these episodes aired back to back. And I was just like, Rebels Recon, don't be dumb. In Rebels Recon for this episode, they talked about how Lothal is an interesting place this season because the Force in a way lives through Lothal and it's going to take a lot of wicked turns. They talk about how Lothal is now under martial law, and pretty much the entire planet has been turned into one big factory. The people used to think that the Empire was giving them safety and security through the militarized police force. But now, people of Lothal are seeing the other side of that, as the Empire has no interest in any of uh, in helping them. This, is also, this also helps Ezra focus, because it's, this is his planet, and these are his people. Vanessa Marshall and Steve Bloom, who are Hera and Zeb's voice actors, discuss why saving the Thal is important to their characters. For Hera, this is important to, uh, for her space son and for Kanan as well, so she wants to help them. And for Zeb, Lothal is where he found his sense of normalcy and family. He abandoned the thought of ever having a family again, but now he has one with the space family. You know who also abandoned the thoughts of ever having a family again? Uh, again? Uh. Oh my god, Yoda, are you the father? Yoda has no family that anybody can prove. Are, are you- I bet Mori could prove it. Nobody can prove nothing. You are the father! Uh. Ah! Uh. I'm just kidding, Yoda. How you doing this week? Not bad. Good week? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get the mask I mailed you? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you would like it. You know, it had like the little the little Hawaiian girls on it and Yes. It, I, I made sure it got like would go over your ears for you. Ears? Yeah, yeah, your ears. Yoda's wearing very comfortable thong right now. Mm. Oh. 
goes over ears? Well, Yoda yeah. must wash first. Uh, yes, the mask goes over your ears, Yoda. You wear oh. it over your face. That's why it's called a mask. Oh, Yoda thought it was thong. Ah. Uh. Mm. <laughs> nice. I just imagined it. Oh, gross. <laughs> I can see how you thought that, though. You know, you got it's the two perfectly little... it does. Yeah, you got the two little leg holes, and then... Yeah, to make sure, yes. Uh. Well, I, uh, I have a question Better for you, Better than Yoda's Yoda. whitey-tighties, yes. Uh, well, you know, whatever works for you. If you want to wear the whitey-tighties on the face, and then... You know, with their little brown stains, and then wear the mask as a thong. You do you, Yoda. I'm not gonna judge. Not so whitey and not so tidy. Uh, yeah, I figured. I know you. I figured as much. They're probably not very white anymore. Uh, Have like little green stains and stuff. Force cannot fix elastic. Hmm. <laughs> I just imagine like Bindu just being like. <laughs> Fixing the elastic man. <laughs> I don't know. My brain's everywhere tonight. Hey, Yoda, I got a question for you. A question for Yoda, yes. I do. You ready? Mmm. So, all throughout Wait, Rebels... fire. All throughout Rebels, we have been taking listener questions. I have been giving you questions, Christmas come-out questions. But my... So, I was just wondering, as we're getting close to wrapping up Rebels... What do you want people to know about you? Mm. Yoda is lover, not fighter. Many people think Yoda's from Clone Wars is hard, hard-boiled warrior, steely-faced fighter. But Yoda has tender side, likes poetry. Hmm. Long waddles on beach, yes. Mmm. <laughs> waddles. Mmm. <laughs> I mean, we know how much you love Mama the Hut too. She was really you. Very friendly she was, yes. Did very... you ever meet Mala? Oh yes, oh yes. Chewbacca's wife, yes. You better be careful, Yoda. That's Chris's girl. Yoda does Yoda does not mess with Wookiee wives. Hmm. No. (laughs) You'll lose more than just your arms. (laughs) Oh, like a football, they would chuck Yoda right through the forest. Well, that's good to know. That helps me like gather questions for you to know that you're you want questions about being a lover and a softie. And when we come time for Clone Wars, we'll be back to Platitudes. Likes, likes to read poetry, Yoda does. <laughs> yes, and Twilight books, yes. Apparently there's a new Twilight book coming. It's the series of the point Well, now I know what to get you for Christmas, Yoda. Oh, sexy books, yes. Mm. <laughs> and next year you get to go to Fifty Shades of Grey. Easy words, too. Mm. Yeah, it's really not that complex from the little bit of it I read. All right, Yoda. Mm. Should join book Yoda's book club, you should. Mm. Oh, my God, Yoda would have the best book club. <laughs> yes, Yoda does have the best book club, yes. 
many interesting books. Yes. Now I want to start a fanfiction book club. Hmm. Yeah, with Skywalker liked Yoda's books he did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I want to start a fanfiction book club now. Hid them in a tree he did, yes. Thought nobody like, would know. Mm. Like get a long fanfic, like 80-something chapter fanfic, and just like get a group of people and just read like a chapter where we can talk about it. All those books, all those books in the tree, Space Hustlers. Mm. <laughs> Luke Skywalker's space hustlers. That's why he didn't want Ray around. Mm. Stay away from my books. Mm. Secret Jedi books. Yes. I like how we're having two completely different conversations. You're going off about Luke Skywalker's dirty porn. I'm just like, what if I started a fanfiction book club? <laughs> mm, started about dirty Luke Skywalker porn. Yes. Same conversation. <laughs> All right, Yoda. Well, I will talk to you next time, all right? There he goes, waddling off into the romantic sunset. Oh, my God. What if I started a fanfiction book club, Chris? Yeah. That could be fun. Give me a reason to read all those long chapter fics I'd never get around to. That's that's why I do half the podcasts I do. That's true. All right, you ready to get into this? I am. Act one? Act uno. We open with the ghost crew returning to Yavin, and Ezra is taking a nap. Fighting the rebellions is tiring, and he is a growing baby boy. But he snaps out of his dream and falls over. And he, he saw in a, in a dream, he saw in his dream the people of the fall, like old Joe and Ryder Azadi, being in trouble, and they're sad, and they're upset, and things are pretty bad. Kanan tries to calm him down, but Ezra is tired of all the, rebellion, all the rebellion's bullshit politics. No one cares about Lothal anymore but him. Hera points out that they have to be patient. Everyone is suffering and the rebels can only do so much. Once they land on Yavin, not Niku from last season is waiting for them. Oh, it was not, yeah, not Niku, it was last season. Mon Mothma wants to see the ghost crew. It turns out Ezra's vision might have some weight to it. Long Nekma has a message from Ryder that Blue Husbando is making a new TIE Defender. But Ryder's message got cut off, so the Rebellion needs more intel before they act on this. The Space Family volunteers for the mission, knowing that it's important to Ezra. Long Nekma warns that Lothal is now under martial law. Once the, co the Ghost Crew... Once the Ghost Crew gets there, the Rebellion won't be able to get them out again. And Ezra makes a declaration. Once he gets to Lothal, he's going to stay there until his planet is free. And that's that, Long Nekma. So the space family, Callus and Grunkle Rex, all are, are all off. Oh, Alexander Callus! I forgot to say that. Are all off to meet up with our old friend Vizago, who we haven't seen since season two. Kalos is wary because Vizago is a criminal and doesn't want his boyfriend Zeb to fall for another man. But Zeb comforts him, saying that he'll love Kalos forever, no matter what. I'm just kidding! This is Rebels, where Disney has a history of censoring queer content, so that would never happen. <laughs> Fuck off, Disney! I've done a lot of research about that this last week as I was doing a Shira article, and part of that was seeing Alex Hirsch's deep dive of fighting Disney censors over queer content, so it's really fresh in my mind, you guys. Fuck off, Disney. <laughs> anyway, Sabine points out that well, I lost my spot. Sabine points out that I lost my spot. That they didn't use to trust Callus either. 
Talos asks where they got their intel. Ezra says Vizago has a legitimate business on Lothal, meaning he has the clearance codes to get them past the Imperial blockade. He got all this information from Hondo, who I really miss. It's been a hot minute since we've seen Hondo. Ezra welcomes Vizago onto their ship and shows off what Vizago is getting from his side of the deal. Ezra is giving Vizago a bunch of puffer pigs. And Vizago says that Lando made a fortune off of puffer pigs and he wants in on some of that sweet, sweet pig money. And as they're loading the puffer pigs on Vizago's ships, Zeb isn't allowed to help. Puffer pigs are scared of him, and Zeb looks really insecure about all of this. I love him, Chris. And Rex whips out the oldest joke in the clone book. At least Zeb has a unique face. Rex joins Callus and Hera up in the cockpit. She gives them command of the ghost until they're back. Callus sits in the pilot seat, a place that he probably thought he would never get to be. It's a big moment, huge and character changing. Until Rex is like, hey, remember how you tried to murder the main cast for like a season and a half? Yeah, just because you're Zeb's boyfriend now doesn't mean you get to sit there. Move, buddy. And Callus gets up and mutters, well, at least I didn't try to kill Ahsoka Tano during Order 66. And then Callus and Rex have a fight for the rest of the season. Now on Vizago's ship, the space family is disguised, or is now in disguises to fit in with the locals. Chopper comes in and makes fun of Zeb's hat. And they arrive on Lothal, and there's an Imperial blockade. But even worse, there's Lothal. The skies are dark, and they can see that the ground is burning, even from space. And Ezra is horrified to see his home like this. Vizago tells him to prepare, because Lothal isn't what it used to be. Vizago transmits the clearance codes. While the Imperials give him the okay to go through, they pick up on the thermal scans that more than just Vizago is on the ship and realize that he's a smuggler. Vizago speeds on through uh, speeds on through there and they get down to the planet. A TIE fighter escorts come along and the space family is worried they've been caught, especially once the Empire puts a boot on Vizago's ship. Fuck off, fireworks! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ezra realizes that they can't capture Vizago for smuggling if the space family isn't caught. So they rush out into the holding area and they free all the puffer pigs. Zeb scares the pigs and they all bounce around to shield the ghost crew as they escape. But Vizago's greed gets the best of him and he tries to take a pig with him. But Vizago gets captured. And that's where I'm going to end act one because we're like nine minutes into the episode. <laughs> I actually, I, I did hear that fireworks. I actually did hear, like, boom in the background. Yeah, let me close the window that's closest to me. Cause I, oh, two... I don't mind hearing fireworks. Yeah, but it is a Stay little comfortable. Yeah, we'll put we'll put music over it. I'll put, yeah. like, the 1812 overture or something. Yeah. So what'd you think of Act 1? It was good. Um, had some nice prequel-sounding music in it as the spaceship was coming down into the atmosphere and Zeb's hat's goofy but I like it because it's very Ralph McQuarrie there was a there was a character in the in his early I think cantina paintings that had a hat like that and it sort of reminds me of the um I want to say I think he's he's either French or Spanish cartoonist Mobius and it looks a lot like something that, that Mobius would have in one of his, his comics, too. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I kind of like Zeb's hat, as goofy as it was. 
I, and I think it's goofy too. I, I actually like all their disguises. Like it's his hat's kind of dumb. I think where it throws me off is so much of Zeb's character is in his ears. He emotes so much through his ears that not being able to see his ears and just like the bottom part of his face, he almost doesn't look like Zeb. He almost looks like a gorilla. Not like the kind of cat man we've come to see him as, but he looks, it, it almost changes the proportions of his face because he looks more monkey than the cat man that we've known him. Uh-huh. And so it, it's it's just kind of an odd thing to me because he doesn't actually look like Zeb. And it, it takes my brain like a, a, a moment to kind of readjust to that. And it's always looked really off to me. And I, and I, and I think that's the reason I was, I was trying to put my finger on it today. And I think it's just because I can't see his ears and so much of Zeb's personality is through his ears. Yeah, but he looked I like a... I didn't think of that, yeah. My only, I have two other notes, but there's sort of my one major note about this is Ezra's kind of owed an apology. I think he's been getting gaslit a little bit, you know, by his space family. Because A, everybody gave Ezra shit for being, like, friendly to Hondo and Visago and stuff. And now it's paying off. Not, and, and and the same with, like, his visions and stuff like, oh, you know, you shouldn't go with Maul. It might not, they they might, you know, you know your visions might just be this, uh, might be misleading you, they're your anxieties and stuff. His visions have been spot on. And, like, they've led to, like, potentially bad situations. But at the same time, they've more or less actually sort of worked out with the force and like with the forces of fate anyway, they've like gotten the, the dark saber back into play, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of, you know, his, they're not just, they're not just him being crazy or anxious, you know? And I mean, immediately he's proven right. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and then I he's actually... proven right once they get there and he's, you know, as we'll find out, he's proven right in a, like, really bad way, too. So it's like... Yeah, I actually have a kind of a note about that in, in Act 2, but I'll go ahead and talk about it now, because it... That's, it's all I, the... that's all I really got for Act 1. Eh. Yeah, because I, I had a note in Act 2 that it dawned on me that when Ezra's having his vision, he's probably seeing Old Joe getting murdered. Like, that is probably... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... Which is, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they didn't show us in show, because that would be horrifying. But, yeah, you know, I didn't think of it that way, but I, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah, I think when it comes to the visions, I can understand why Kanan is kind of a little bit hesitant about it. Only just because he has had Force visions, and the thing about Force visions that we know from, like, Clone Wars and... and, and the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy and stuff like that is they're not they're not always showing us what we want to see but we can interpret them how we want to see them does that make sense um and so i think he's wanting to make sure ezra's not being like emotionally tied to it but you're right like ezra has been pretty much right the entire the entire show yeah no and, i mean they it's if it's the force working through ezra it's giving him good advice it might seem counterintuitive to go someplace with Darth Darth Maul but in the end you know Ezra was up to the task of not giving in to that's the thing about like Darth like Darth Maul wasn't going to hurt him 
because he thought he was he was pretty much obsessed with the fact that Ezra would become his apprentice. And Ezra kind of knew that. So yeah. he, he knew that he could go and be like, I'm not going to be your apprentice and that he had the willpower not to do it. He didn't really have to fight it that hard. Yeah. And like when it comes to Hondo, like Hondo's, you know, going to double cross them for money. But we've also seen like Hondo has come through to them on multiple occasions. Vizago, I can see them being wary about because I always have to remind myself that Vizago left them for dead in Vizago's very first episode in season yeah, one. Yeah, no, he might he he might sell them to the Empire, sell Intel to you know sell them out to the yeah. Empire if it helps him. But Hondo probably wouldn't, you know. Hondo would sell them out to the Empire, but give them bad information, or you know he would trick, you know. It's yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I definitely kind of agree with what you're saying. Um, as for my notes in big words, I just wrote puffer pigs. <laughs> I miss the puffer pigs. I forgot how much I fucking love those puffer pigs. They're so cute and I love them and I forgot all about them being in the episode. So when I was watching the episode, I was just like, oh my God, puffer pigs. I forgot you existed. <laughs> so I was very happy to see that. Um, to knock more of my little notes out of the way, I continue to love Rex and Zeb's banter together. Um, it, it started about the time around zero hour when they were trying to fix the Bean's shield. And every time Zeb and Rex are just together, they're so funny. They just, they just are. I love them. And Rex's clone joke is so just dry humor on the spot. Just perfect. Where it's just like, because it, it, it says it like, he, it's not like Jesse or Fives when they're actively trying to make jokes. It's just Rex going, oh, I'm sorry. At least your face is unique and climbs off. And it's, I was like, wait, did you just insult me? Was that a joke? What the fuck? It's so yeah. perfect. I love it. Uh, I think that's all my little notes. So we'll Rex start gets a couple of, couple of zingers out. Yeah, he's funny as an old man. I like him. <laughs> he's chill. Um, I like Callus not trusting Visago because he's a criminal, but newsflash, Callus, you're working with a bunch of people who are considered criminals by the Empire, so really none of these people meet your standards. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the job, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I, I also like seeing Callus's place in the space family now. Because when when he talks about Visago, Sabine looks right at him and goes, yeah, we used to think the same thing about you. But, like, he's reached this place with the Space family now where they can pick on him. And it's not like a malicious picking on him. It's a respectful picking on him, which is different than what it has been in the past. So I, I like seeing that Callus has kind of found this spot in the Space family. And then when it comes to, I'm going to just get my Rex and Callus notes out of the way before I go back to my other note. Um, I like the scene where Rex and Callus uh, get to come to, I can't read. I like the scene, Rex and Callus, when it comes to who gets to command the ghost. That's how you read, Hope. That's how words work. Um, it's a really good moment for Callus because it shows that he's still not 100% forgiven or off the hook for everything he did. And, and I like that because it's not like they're, you know, trying to execute him or kick him off the team or anything. But it's just, uh, no, you haven't earned the right to fly the ghost yet. You sit in the co-pilot seat like you chill. And, well, that, and was, he that was Rex's other good line was he's like, I've piloted a Star Destroyer. And he's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get yeah. in the other seat. And 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 you can see Callus is just sort of like, 
Good point. Okay. <laughs> Fair and, enough. <laughs> and that's the other point about it is he doesn't push back against Rex. He's just like, you're right. I have not earned this yet. And he like stands up and he moves. And it's, it's that moment of atonement that back when we were doing the honorable ones that I, I still wish we had more for Callus to see like whether it's not, or if it's, you know, what we were talking about in the, in the I think it was the Saw Guerrero episode, the first one, where we were like, why is the rebel leaders all trusting Callus because he's an ex-imperial? And, and this is kind of like a nice way of showing that, like, he's still not 100% good. He's still not fully trustworthy, and he still has more to earn. But it's so subtle, and it's not like they're kicking Callus off the team. So I really liked this scene, because it's it's what I wish they did a little bit more of with Callus, but it's just nice enough to where it's like, we're good with Callus, but we're not really good with Callus, so... Yeah, well, you know, yeah, war crimes, so that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that means... Oh, I didn't get a chance to look in it, but Vizago mentions that Lando made a fortune off the puffer pigs. And I, I didn't get a chance to look at it, but I'm just curious if that was some of the money he used to win Cloud City. Because we're only a couple years out from him getting Cloud City. So I, I was just more of like a, huh, I wonder if those two are connected. I don't actually know. It all is. <laughs> it all is connected. Yeah. Um, and, and my last note for Act 1, um, we talked a couple weeks ago about how Season 4 is recentering on the show after Season 3. Because everybody was separated in Season 3. And so we had that episode where they all came back to Yavin and the team was back together and they got a mission together. And now we're back on Lothal and there's so many nice callbacks to season one of Rebels, like bringing back in Vizago, which is one of their oldest adversaries. And they're reusing the puffer pigs and we're going to old spots like old Joe's Cantina. So it's all these familiar places and things and people from earlier in the seasons to help kind of recenter us from where we used to be. But it's nicely done because it also shows how far everything has changed. Because we have almost like a nostalgic factor when it comes to Lothal in season one. Because we remember it being bright and sunny and beautiful with Lothcats and grasslands. And now we see Lothal now. And it's completely changed. It's burning. It's smoky. Everything's black. And it's grungy and dirty. And it's not beautiful anymore. But also the characters are in completely different places than where they were in season one. So it's a really nice way of using like the nostalgia and the callbacks to season one to also to also show where we are character wise and also show where we are narratively, too. And I really like how they did that. I agree. Yeah, that's all I have for Act 1, then. Oh, OK. Uh, I'm ready two? for Act 2. Yeah, Act 2 is my least amount of notes for the whole one um, actually i want to make sure I, I was jumping around my notes so much i just want to make sure i didn't lose any uh puffer pigs the 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 zeps hat is dumb all right yeah act two oh, here act we go two. the space family splits up to get some shit done sabine ezra and chopper head to old joe's bar to see if they can get some information about where Ryder is harold kanan and zeb are looking for a transport to get them out of town Hera helps out Harold because it's his first time on Lothal. Sabine and Ezra move through town, which is pretty much deserted. They get to Old Joe's, and Ezra is all hopeful. Surely the Empire couldn't touch the cantina. Everybody on Lothal loved Old Joe, and they wouldn't stand if anything happened to him. 
But when they get there, it's full of Imperials and Stormtroopers, and Joe is nowhere to be seen. In fact, it's run by an Imperial from Season 1, Baron Ruder, who Zeb one time punched in the face and, like, spider-crawled on his TIE fighter and, like, ripped him out and just threw him down, and he almost shot Zeb, but then he didn't, and it's all in Zeb's opening short. They decided to get a drink and see what's up. They sit and get Ruder talking about how great he is and how he's the best pilot. Also, Ruder, Rudor, used to have a really fucking dumb mustache and he always wore a little head covering and my god, is he a cute boy now. You know, still a Nazi, but he's a cute Nazi. Anyway, where am I? Um, Ruder is talking about how great he is and how he's the best pilot and how he's an ace pilot and everybody loved him on Empire Day. He's apparently so good that the Empire gave him a cantina? Question mark? I think he got demoted. <laughs> Ezra casually brings up old Joe. When he does, in the background, Jai Kel overhears them. Jai Kel, aka not Zuko, aka not Rufio, these are jokes because he's voiced by Dante Vasco. Friendly reminder that we haven't seen Jai Kel since season one when he's a snarky asshole cadet that Ezra actually has to save from my grande boyfriend because it turns out that Jai Kel is apparently force sensitive, but we never see proof of this in the show question mark? Anyway, Rudo boasts how old Joe was a traitor and such, and a few days ago, probably about the time that Ezra had his vision, he was executed for rebel activity. And, he- and Ezra is mortified. Meanwhile, Hera and Kanan are strolling around town. Kanan hears some stormtroopers coming, and he pulls Hera into a tiny alleyway where their bodies have to be pressed together like it's a fucking shoujo anime. My heart. And the stormtroopers pass, and they relax. And Kanan chuckles and says, You know, space wife, we haven't had much time together. Other than the last time we had sex, which is probably when we made our future son, because I'm dying in five episodes. This is really nice. And he admits that he wishes he could see her. And then, guys, Hera removes his glasses, and she says that he could always see her, and he leans in to kiss her, and they're just about to kiss, and I'm screaming. But then, but then... Zeb! Zeb! I hit my, my pop filter. Hold on. Smacked my pop filter. There we go. Then Zeb calls in and cock blocks them. This is the one time in my fucking life I will ever be mad at Garazeb Aurelios. Fuck you, Garazeb! Because it's not like a freaking anime. I swear to God, they almost kissed and they don't. Zeb. Anyway, Zeb has found some speeders for them to get the hell out of town. And Hera falls back into her rebel ways, which I capitalized for some reason, and says they need to get moving. And Kanan's like, yeah, yeah, gotta, gotta keep moving. Just gotta ignore, ignore my massive boner that I got. We'll just see that's where my lightsaber is being kept. All right, let's go. Back at the bar, Rudor is still boasting about how old Joe was a traitor and he deserved to die, which means Ezra is about this quick from going to the dark side and ripping his fucking head off. Sabine grabs Ezra and tries to leave, but Rudor realizes that they didn't pay him for the drinks, 
So not Rufio, a.k.a. not Zuko, a.k.a. Jaikel, swoops in going, Hey, friend of mine, let me take care of those drinks for you, you silly Billy. And he pays for the drinks and drags Ezra and Sabine out of there. But Ruder watches suspiciously. Outside, Jai introduces himself for anyone, like me, who may have forgotten about him because he's only been in one fucking episode three seasons ago. Ever since Ezra busted him out of the Imperial Academy, he's teamed up with, Re with the Rebels to help out Ryder ever since. Suddenly, there's an explosion, so naturally, Hera and her team drive away because it's just another Saturday night full of explosions for our heroes. But they're all caught off by some tanks. Our heroes have to abandon their speeder and run for it. Jai leads them back into the bar, and they pretend to be civilians as troopers all rush out to see what the noise is. Once inside, Zeb breaks the lock on the door, and Jai leads them into the sewer entrance. They descend down into the bowels of the thaw. Get it? Because it's a sewer joke. And they find... Oh. And they have to try and find a way to escape the city. What'd you think of it, It's pretty good. I liked how, um... I only have two notes on this, but I liked how um, this is like phase three of Empire occupation with Lothal. Because we, we were introduced to Lothal in just the beginning when the Empire just got there. And it's just basically <clears throat> Lothal with the Empire sort of running things. But it's nice. It's still the same Lothal. <clears throat> yeah. Then some time passes and we go back and then it's basically sort of like physically the same Lothal, but with more propaganda and the streets are more locked down. But now we've come back and it's just trashed. You know, they've just mm -hmm. they've been stripping it of its natural resources and it's just, you know, destroyed. So it's I, I like that they that they. um set that up that you got to see a planet you know in several stages over a course of time you know yeah that's, that's something we really haven't seen before you know it's so well done to you because you you can see it happening as it progresses and, and the story you, stories get darker each time yeah they come back there and it, it also goes to the leaders too i mean like we start start off with like tua who is this bubbly, like, propaganda girl, who, but who's still kind of nice. And then we get Price, who is just, tr like, horrible, murdering psychopath. Right. And then it gets even further, and, like, it's just martial law, and, like, the streets are burning, and it's, it's, it's such a beautiful progression of, like, the leadership, too, getting worse. Yep, yep. So I, I like that. My only other note is, what is, uh, you know, I know... At some point, they they want to have their them actually kiss and build towards it and stuff. But I don't know. Just in the in the in the in the post two thousands, the the whole like, are they, are they gonna kiss? Aren't they gonna kiss? Aren't they? Well, we we know they're an item now. We know that they've more than kissed. So now it's just more of that coyness, you know. Of yeah, like, I, is I this gonna be the time that they kiss? No, it's not. Oh you know the the and it's such it's so tropey the way it's done and you know it's very it, it, like i haven't watched a lot of anime but there's i mean yeah that gets done a lot outside of anime too it's you know just like kind of a cliche and there's just no 
like I said, there's no reason for them to be coy about it at this point, you know? Can I ask you a question that just came yeah. to my head? If we got to see Kanan and Hera kiss in season one, would it change any parts of their story no. for the rest of the fucking show? No. No, no, because they've always written them as a fucking couple. Right, it, right. It's uh, the just the whole, like, you know, if we didn't know that they were a couple or didn't, you know, then then it might be a little different, you know, it, or or something, or, or it developed somehow if, during the series, you know. Yeah, it'd be it, one thing if, like, Hera picked up Kanan and Ezra in episode one, and Kanan and Hera were meeting, and they built to this point. That'd be a completely or, different Or, or Kanan and Hera have known each other, but she has not been interested in dating him up until, you know... Maybe after he's maybe after he's blinded, he gets a little, you know, character develops enough to where she falls in love with him or something like that. You know, yeah. that would have that would have the the tension of are they going to kiss or not? You know, but they wrote and, from their intro shorts them almost kissing and they're in the ghost and the 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 machine and the ghost. Their very first short. They all lean in to kiss, and then Chopper interrupts them. Yeah. Like, this has been an established thing since their fucking shorts before it's, the show ever started. It's it's the, it's the a story beat that does I don't think it works for the adults. I think maybe it works more for the kids. And and that way, if the kids want them to kiss, at least they know they're kissing. But if they, it's yucky for the kiss, they never, you know, they, they're not going to kiss until, what you know, or whatever. But I don't know. It's just kind of tiresome for me. Yeah, it doesn't make any so sense. maddening because also listeners, uh, if you hear, hear like banging in the background and stuff like that, uh, we're recording on Memorial Day. So the neighborhood behind my house is setting off fireworks. So that's that's what that noise is. Um, but my yeah, like that's what I've been saying, like pretty much this entire time, because we as people who have already seen this show know at this point Hera's pregnant at this point. And that's why it's so fucking crazy to me that they're acting like, oh, does maybe Kanan loves me. No, you fuck already fucked. You fucked. Right, right. Because yeah. the next episode is all about getting uh, the Tide Defender stuff. Then Hera leaves and she doesn't see him again until the episode that Kanan fucking dies. She is prego my Lego at this moment. And that's why it's so maddening to me that they write these characters this way because they've been writing as a fucking item since season one. And they have been an item, and that's why it's such, which which sucks, because I actually really do like the Kanan and Hera scene. I just don't like how it's executed, because, you know, as fans, like, I want to see them be coupling in together, but they've already been coupling together. The only thing we really haven't seen is them kiss. That's the only thing we, they haven't done in the series, but they don't need to act like it's a whole thing of, like... Oh, it's our first kiss. I mean, did you not kiss while you fucked? Like, I, it's it's just maddening to me. It's it's it bothers me so much of, uh, in this season. I think this storyline is part of the reason why season four is not one of my favorite seasons, and and it's it's because it's it bothers me so much. Yeah, I well, I I wonder what the dynamics about it were in the story discussion rooms of it, and I have a feeling it has to do with like the age of people, the the average age of watching it to the low end of the age of watching it, and they said, "Ah, let's handle it this way." Clone Wars has time not to married Anakin. or whatever, you know. I don't know. 
I don't know. There might have been Disney guidelines. I don't know. I'd love to know what the what the discussion was for it to to play out the way it did. But it's, yeah, because it's awkward. Because Clone, Clone Wars had Padme and Anakin kissing in the very first Malevolence episode, which I think is like episode two or three. And they like yeah, but, but they fully had, like, made all out. sorts of established. They had all sorts of established stuff from the movie that they could work on with it, you know. You know, uh, establishing them as, as having maybe, some sparks. Maybe it's the difference between Cartoon Network and Disney. Like it, that could have been might, different. It might be. Or... It might be, and it might be of a, a show that was going PG thirteen. You know, as its mm. as its low end. So yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's very bothersome. Though the... what I do like about that scene is it reminds me so much of their novel, A New Dawn, which actually came out before Rebels ever started. And because Kanan says, I wish I could see you. And she says, you could always see me. But and it reminded me of A New Dawn because Kanan fell in love with Hera's voice first. He heard her and loved, fell in love with her voice before he didn't before he ever saw her because he didn't see her, I think, until the next day. And he was like, oh, my God, that's the voice I fell in love with. So it's, I do like that little callback that now he can only hear her and he still loves her. And I'm just like, oh, a new dawn. I mostly have little notes, so I'll just start at the top. I like seeing the return of all the Imperial propaganda, but this time it's just blanketed everywhere. And I like that little scene of like, Ezra's just like, why do they have my old image? I don't even look like that anymore. And Sabine's like, that's a good thing. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> but, so I, I like that. But I also noticed there's no wanted posters of Chopper, which I found very weird because I feel like they've established by this point that Chopper is part of the ghost crew. And they don't mm. paint Chopper. They just put some boxes on him for him to drive around and to carry no. their weapons. Like, this is this goes towards my theory that like most people that that's what like really like you notice it more in the rebels type of people the people who are more down to earth it like their droids talk to their droids befriend their droids will save their droids lives but the imperials and stuff droids are generic you might like if they putting up a, a picture of chopper would probably be as absurd to them as putting up a picture of a generic iPhone and going like, have you seen this iPhone? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many like choppers running around and they don't even, they're, they're probably, you know, I mean, the, I, they might not pay attention to chopper enough to be like, Oh, they always have the same droid. They, they probably just think of it more like, you know, here's a group of rebels and they often operate, you, you know, if they think of a droid, they think of it as like they often operate with a droid helping them. So they'll, they'll sometimes use a droid to, to but they, it, they don't even seem to go that far with it because I just don't, I think a droid to a, an Imperial is like a socket wrench, you know, or yeah. a calculator. They just don't, they don't think of it as, as uh, something with agency that can get them, which is stupid. <laughs> Especially after meeting Chopper and he punches you out and stuff. But usually those guys end up in a ship that's going to blow up anyway. So I think the reason why it's so weird to me is because we know that Thrawn knows who Chopper is. 
And maybe it's just the difference between Thrawn being military and then Arinda is probably the one in charge of putting up the, the wanted posters and putting those out and stuff. See, and, I can and- see Th- Thrawn seeing that too. But at the same time, Thrawn still being like, ah, like, you know, they like, you know, still thinking of the droid in a condescending way, but being like, you see, they, they often transfer personality over into their droids and... Yeah. And they, so just, they so they so they think their droids have a personality, so they grow attached to them. So like you could actually use their droid as a as a bait, <laughs> you know. I guess it's really weird to me because we had that one episode last season with AP5 singing and and the Lobot people, and they were able to recognize right away that Chopper was part of the Ghost Crew just from Chopper going through a scanner because they were because the Ghost Crew was assuming that the Imperials wouldn't notice Chopper being different because they hadn't noticed them before. But these are people personally put into place by by Thrawn who are specifically there to look for Chopper. So I guess that's where why it's such a weird disconnect to me, and I feel like there's probably some meta explanation of, like, oh, Orinda was the one that put up the posters and gave the order, and she didn't care to put up Chopper. There's probably some stupid and like like thing like that. But me as a fan, I'm just like, this seems weird knowing that they're very close to where Thrawn works and they don't have Chopper posters as well. But there's probably some kind of dumb answer. Um, so I like Ezra's kind of... He's almost, I, I know this in Act 3, and parts of this episode feel very Rogue One to me, and maybe it's just because I very recently watched Rogue One. But at times, well, also Ezra, this was this was timing into Rogue One too, so they were they they were working in sync with each other. So yeah, but how I mean that is Ezra kind of reminds me of someone going on almost a mile Jin Erso journey. Yeah. And what I mean, and what I mean by that is, as they're going towards Old Joe's bar. He believes in the people of Lothal, and he is all just like, everyone loves old Joe. They're going to riot if something happens to him. It's all going to be great. But then reality hits, and they get to old Joe's bar, and it's full of Imperials. And it's the difference between Cassian and Jen, because Jen has, is like the everyday people, and Cassian is the one who fights in the rebellion. And what I mean is that, like, Ezra's been almost taking a Cassian role where he's been fighting on Yavin 4, he's been around the rebels, he's talked to their leaders, so he's, like, really into this fight. But then we have Jen at the beginning of the movie, and she's just trying to survive. She doesn't care about any of the fighting, she's just trying to live till tomorrow. And that's kind of where the people of Lothal are. Because, like, Ezra believes in them, but they are so beaten down that... They're probably sad that old Joe was killed, but they're just trying to get to tomorrow and they have lost their morale, which is which is a really interesting thing to see Ezra go through because well, that's that's what killing old Joe does. Killing old Joe yeah. is, is a way of killing their morale. <laughs> yeah, and it's ruling through fear. So it it's I like these kind of parallels because Ezra's been in the Cassian role, but now he's sliding into like the Jen Urso role. So it's just really cool and I, I really liked that scene. Um, Rudor absolutely got demoted. There's no questions. He used to be. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or either that, or he's just some sort of weirdo. Like he might be some sort of weirdo that's like, I've always wanted to have my own bar or whatever. But I have a feeling it's more like he's just like, 
making some extra money because he's a grunt now. <laughs> yeah, because I started, I, I, I kind of was going back and, like, looking at his stuff. He was an ace pilot. They had, like, a brand new shiny TIE fighter for him to fly in Empire Day. And all his shit just keeps getting blown up. And then but, suddenly he's in a bar. And he's boasting. He's like, here's my picture on the bar. Who fuck? Who the hell put, keeps their picture at their work of, like, look at my great accomplishments. Uh, and bar they're not owners. trying to relive the old days. Bar owners who, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Bar owners who want to relive their old days. But at the same time, he also seems like relaxed, happy and comfortable at his bar. So maybe it is something that he's always wanted. And like it's his way of like decompressing from being. Uh, uh, and and, you know, maybe maybe, you know, it could go either way. It could be he's kind of like, you know, the, the star field goal kicker, but he's no good for anything but just putting him in the ship and firing him out at the enemy so in the meantime let's put him in the bar so he doesn't get let's give him a bar and that way we know where he is all the time and he doesn't get in any trouble you know maybe he's a drinker or something and they're uh, owning a bar you know and and they would you know be like we gotta you know they have to pour cold water on him to get him up into his tight tie defender to <laughs> to go out there and fight so yeah. who knows but uh. My next note is in big letters, Lothcats. I missed Lothcats. <laughs> you, you just see them briefly on the streets, and I was like, look at the little Lothcat. <laughs> um, I like Ezra and Jai Kel's bad acting versus Sabine's really good acting, because the boys are like, I do not have credits. Jai, do you have credits? Of course I have credits, buddy. Do you have credits, Sabine? Sabine's just like, I don't have any credits. I thought you had the credits. Yeah. Ezra's <laughs> never been good at, at playing and a part. I yep. know. And it's so good there because he's like, I do not have credits. Do you, Sabine? And she's like, I don't have any credits. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you brought them. Yeah, it was just so nonchalant and I loved it. I laughed. Um, Total side note, I've been, because now that it's on Netflix, I've been doing an Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch with my stepmom and I completely forgot that Jai Kel was voiced by Dante Basco, and I cannot unhear Zuko from Jai's, Jai's voice. He's just using his Zuko voice, and I just can't unhear it. <laughs> we'll get there and hope makes Chris watch cartoons, Chris. That's next, after Gravity Falls. We'll get to Avatar. Um, and finally, this just is something I've talked about all series. I just have so much of a gripe of how Rebels uses its minor characters. I would almost wish instead of Jai Kel, Jai Kel or whatever his fucking name is, I would almost want them to use Zare Leonis because it could have been Zare... any rando too. It could have just been some guy that he knew when he was. Yeah, because we haven't seen Jai since season one. It could and be even... some guy who doesn't know him but just recognizes him as somebody who, you know who's helped the rebellion in the past and. Yeah. grabs him because he knows he's here to to fuck up the empire so yeah, yeah. but they yeah. they even had to have a little awkward dialogue where he's like oh yeah i remember you from way back in the this and this you know so they 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 spelled it back out but like yeah. i was like did we see did we actually see that and i'm like ah, it doesn't matter does it <laughs> yeah like there's there's a reason i confused jai and mart which is almost why I would have rather them use Zara Leonis. Because way, way back in the Clone Cadet episode, 
Jai didn't like Ezra. In fact, he fucking hated the dude. And they had to drag Jai kicking and screaming out of the Imperial Academy and force him into hiding. But when it comes to someone like Zerleonis, who was the black kid, he was actively helping Ezra. He came back again in season two and they used him like those two times and he was actively trying to help Ezra opposed to this other kid who only bonded with Ezra in the last two minutes and now bring him back. And well, it's just if, if, using choice. If there was more to it, they could have built it as part of his arc is he was just like, I thought you were a piece of shit, but now I respect you because I know what you were doing all along, yeah. you know? And, but they, you know, that wasn't, you don't remember him and that aspect of it isn't brought up. So it's only if you really remember that stuff that, that you know it, but it isn't really, it doesn't really reflect in any of their dialogue or interaction or anything. So it doesn't in, really matter. It doesn't really matter. He's really basically just a, a, a plot element to get them out of the bar. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was trying to think of like where they could have put them in. And last season when the episode where Kanan and Ezra come back to Lothal and they sneak into the factory, like he could have been there with Ryder then. And then the, and like, even if it was just a brief second of like, Oh man, Jai and like have their awkward conversation there of like, Oh yeah. From the computer academies. Yeah. And like, that's all they needed. And then we get here and that's already out of the way. So then it's just like, Oh, okay. It's Jai. He is working with Ryder and stuff. And he comes over like they, I, I, I've had that problem with Rebels the entire series where like they did it with the Sumars, they did it with other characters as well, where all these side background characters who are supposedly really important to the story are barely used. And it's usually the human characters because at least with someone like Visago, I might not always remember Visago's name, but I know what he looks like because he has yeah. such a unique design. Yeah, and they do something like they give him one horn too, so you know. So, yeah, so he looks different, and he's not just some rando. And same thing with As Morgan. Like, I might not like him, but I know who he is because he has a scrotum face. But when it comes to the hero, like the human characters, they're all such basic bitches, and they all look the same, and they're not interesting. And then they use them, like, twice a show, and I don't remember who they are. Like, I remember watching this episode for the first time, and I was so confused who Jai was the entire episode that I had to look him up after the episode because I had no right. fucking clue who he was. So, I mean, that's that's just an overall gripe I've had with all of Rebels. And I remember him now because we've been doing a deep dive tooth combing of the show. But right. that, that is a missed and opportunity. And plus he looks different. He's all feral and has dreadlocks dreadlocky dirty hair you know he's been through some he's been through some shit man yeah he so, doesn't look like the little fresh face baby face he was two three seasons ago but it's you know i mean that that they've got to cleave to that main storyline so there's only so much you know i have a feeling that like when they when they make these there is a lot more there might have been a lot more dialogue between but that's the stuff that gets clipped out when they're like okay Got to get this sucker down to 22 minutes, tight 22 yeah. minutes. What can what can go? What can go? And and all this stuff that 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 we would like to see is all would all be good stuff. But it you know when it comes down to it, it's not necessary, and that's why I think it probably never made it or you know got clipped clipped out of the script and stuff. Yeah, but that's all I have for Act Two. All right. Act Three. Act three. 
All right. Down in the sewers, our heroes get turned around. With their cover blown, they're all pull, they all pull out their weapons because they might as well fight back, and they're now they're lost in the sewers. Zeb hears a noise coming. An imperial probe has found them. And then more probes show up. <clears throat> and then they burp and they fight back, but the probes transmit their positions. Everyone splits up to try and confuse them. Every way seems to be blocked off by Imperials. When Jai tries to check to see if the coast is clear, there are more troopers and probes. Kanan jumps in there to protect Jai, and he turns to his space wife and goes, Honey, I adopted another kid! And Hera's like, this is why I love you! And Kanan hauls Jai out of there, going, Come with us, son! I will call you New Ezra! Meanwhile, old Ezra, Sabine, and Zeb take out a few more probes. Zeb asks why Ezra doesn't know his way around, and Ezra just breaks down, yelling how everything is different and Lothal is terrible now. Ezra feels that Lothal is, every, is already lost and this is all his fault. And Sabine tries to cheer him up, going, You know what? Fuck whatever Saul Guerrera told you in the last episode. But Hope doesn't actually think that Lothal came up in the last episode, because I honestly don't remember, because that was like a whole fucking week ago. So I'm just confused about why Sabine's bringing up Saul Guerrera. But you know what? We're here now, and this is our lives. And Sabine is like, we're all still here, and we're going to fight back and save Lothal, Ezra, so don't you give up. And then she notices something on the wall. It's her Firebird symbol that she used to paint everywhere. And Ryder knows that this was her symbol. With no other choice, they decide to follow the Firebird symbols in the way that they're pointing. And it comes down to an opening where Hera's group meets back up with them. And they're surrounded on all sides by troopers. Chopper spots the next symbol above them on the way out. Ezra leaps up the ladder of the manhole thing and to slash it down, but he accidentally slashes the controllers. When our heroes climb up to the top, Sabine can't get the door open. Now they're all trapped on a ladder with stormtroopers below them. And suddenly, the door opens, and there's Ryder Azadi welcoming them home. He gets them all out of the tunnels, and they hop onto his ship, being driven by the sexy leg lamp herself, Mr. Mrs. Sumar. Ryder is so happy to see them. He's been waiting to attack the TIE Defender factories, and he can't wait to see all of their military force to come help. And Ezra admits that there's no other help coming. It's just the ghost crew. But Ezra gives a passionate speech about how rebellions are small and rebellions are built on hope and they can grow bigger and it's going to be fine. And Ryder looks right at, him, right at him and goes, Wait until next week's episode, kid, and you'll see firsthand how wrong you are. The end. Is this technically a part one? Because it feels what? like the part one. The thing about season four is they released all the episodes together. And so, but they, uh, together in twos. So the Sabine episode were two episodes together. The Saul episodes were two episodes together. This episode and next episode were released together. Kindred and C Commander Crawlers were one episode. Jedi Knight and Doom were one, uh, were released together. So these are all technically two episodes, but they would do two at a time. So they did 12 episodes in six weeks. Yeah. And which... It, it, it's an interest. That's why I kind of wanted to break them up because I've never seen any of these on their own. So it, it was. It's definitely different. How? Because it does kind of feel like an act two. Yeah. It's a, well. It's like one. a half committed part one sort yeah. of feel to it. So that that was just one of my notes. 
Um, I don't think Saw said anything specific about Lethal. Yeah, I can't um, remember either. I was like, that's a weird thing for Sabine to break to bring up because I don't it, ever remember Saul talking about Lothal either. But I think in the context of the what Ezra was talking about, I don't know if he's got if he's exactly understanding <laughs> what Saw said because his logic just didn't seem to 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 work as much i guess as an emotional reaction of like oh my planet's destroyed you know and saw was right they're not you know they're not messing around i should have destroyed them before but it sort of didn't seem like that was what he meant i don't know it was yeah. kind of convoluted i i have that as a note too like because i was i was like i know i have a shitty memory and we just did these episodes the last two weeks but i'm like i don't think saul ever mentioned lethal and i i i honestly don't <laughs> i i think he was just talking about one note i think he was just talking i think he was just talking about saw's philosophy in general that like it's you know that the empire isn't mucking about so we're we shouldn't be mucking about but it, it was unclear what he was talking about. So, and and I wouldn't think that they would like reference a direct like that specific piece of conversation and and think the kids are gonna be yeah you know I mean I I can't remember it but yeah that's me too that's not yeah um, my only other notes are really shallow uh um writer writer looks like an adult version of Tintin. I've always been trying oh to figure God. out what it is. It's that, oh my that God. White, hair, white hair with the thing sticking up. Tintin <laughs> sticks down, but Ryder Zadi's is old Tintin and his little white curl stands up like alfalfa. In his oh old my age. God, he does. <laughs> and, and my only other note is it's funny, like the the death troopers, like. It's like, oh, you're a death trooper now? Here, here's your cool voice changer. It makes your voice sound a little creepier. You know, it gives it a little more it gives it a little that a little bit of the distortion like um like um Kylo Ren had. And they sound a little more evil. And it's funny, it's like, yeah, stormtroopers just get a regular old crappy, crappy, you know, um headphone mic. <laughs> But you get you get the voice changer when you get to be a death trooper. So that's all I got for part three. Not a lot. It was just mostly act chase. <laughs> yeah, like I don't I don't really have a lot of notes for this either. Um, pretty much two my two of my three notes left were kind of continuations. Um, going back to how I was talking about how season one is so nostalgic of how we remember Lothal. But I realized that Ezra is almost like the point of view character for the audience because of that factor. Because we have a nostalgic view of Lothal from season one, and so does Ezra. So I, I like, like Ezra is pretty much the audience's voice of like, everything right. sucks now. Because yeah, it does. Everything sucks. And it, it's so heartbreaking to see Lothal, which is a planet that we've grown to love so much, be reduced to this. So, Yeah. And then to continue my like Rogue One thing from last act, it there was kind of more parallels because in, in Rogue One, the Rebellion doesn't right away send all their forces to Scarif. So the Rogue team has to act on their own. And it, it's kind of, and, and they go in knowing that no one else is coming. And that's pretty much what the Ghost Crew does here. Like, writers like, where's all your forces? And they're like, we're it. <laughs> this <Hi>. is it. <laughs> this is all you get. <laughs> and so it was, it was more of that kind of Rogue One parallel there too. 
Um, I will say, I really like the entire chase scene through the sewers. It's very claustrophobic. And there's a lot of, like, great, like, positioning of fighting poses. And what I mean by that, like, when the Hera and, and Kanan and Chopper come and rejoin the other group, they're surrounded. So there, there's that great shot of, like, half of them facing one way, half of them facing the other way, and then Chopper's in the middle. And, and, and as Kanan doing their sort of little shifting up the ladder, you know, yeah. with their lightsabers to block in both directions. Yeah, you got to see them. And I like they use the darkness. It was very dark and it was just like lit. But, you know, a lot of times when you're in the sewer, they make it look like it's just sort of lit by general lights. But this was a dark sewer with just little patches of light. It was hard to see what was going on sometime, which worked to its advantage. Yeah, and really the only lights are their lightsabers, and uh-huh. I and I love just the tension of before Ryder opens the door, like they're all stuck on a ladder and nowhere to go, and stormtroopers are under them. The only thing protecting them are Kanan and Ezra. So I, I really like this fight because I don't ever recall seeing a fight on a ladder before in Star Wars. So one thing that's been really cool with season four is they've been kind of changing up like how they do fight choreography. And we started seeing some of this in season one, not season one, season three, with like the with Canthu job and, and stuff like that, where they start using more of their surroundings. And I specifically remember in the with Canthu job, like Ezra like makes a box hover and then like takes cover behind it as he runs. And I like when they use different set pieces within the actual scenery in their fight and it's it's just really cool I, they, they've been really upping the fights more and more and using their surroundings more and i like it but yeah. that's all i really have for this episode yeah it's interesting looking at these episodes by most themselves. of the stuff is in the beginning and middle of this one yeah and it's it's so interesting looking at season four as individual episodes because like i said like I watched this episode and next episode all together in one sitting. So it's it's very interesting seeing them separately and seeing whether or not they work and if they even work on their own or they, do they have to have the separate episode or the other episode to make sense. So it's it's all very interesting. Well, did you have anything else for the occupation? I'm ready to score it up. Score it up, Chris. Uh, just like last week, I gave it. I'm doing a lot of 8.5s in a row. It could this if it was this one was a little bit more something. I don't know what it is. It might have been a nine or one of my higher like standout episodes. But it, as it is, it's a good solid episode. I almost would wonder after seeing next week's episode because it was aired together if our scores would change because i'm trying to keep them separate in my brain but next week's episode just kind of continues where this one like leaves off and i'm wondering about if it would have a different i'll I'll keep that in mind when i'm watching it and if it does i definitely will go back to this one yeah um as for me i like this episode i i love the return to lethal I do like the Kanan and Hera moment, even though it pisses me off, but I also love it so much. It's it's complicated. Um, I love the tunnel and the chase scene and the sewers. The only real gripe I have is the whole side character thing with Jai Kel. I mean, it, I wish we saw Jai sooner and instead of waiting, not seeing him for three fucking seasons. 
But overall, I like it. I like their dumb disguises. Hera's really cute, can I say? I think this is the only time in the entire series we get to see her in a completely different outfit. No, wait, I take that back because we see her in an X-Wing outfit at one point. But Hera is the one that gets the least amount of costume changes with Zeb. So I like seeing Hera and Zeb having completely different costumes because they don't really ever get a change. I love it. And also, Rex and Callus are an absolute delight, especially Rex. Rex is just having the time of his life as a grunkle. Um, I gave it an 8 out of 10 because um, I like the episode. It's yeah. better than a mediocre episode. But again, there's nothing like that super yeah. grabbing me. And I have too many gripes. Sort of been the whole season. This is the whole season's been pretty consistent so far. Yeah, Cons- consistent of being better than mediocre, but still not great. Good. Yeah, just good. Yeah. But uh, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from from, 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 from comes from the Facebook page for our episode Double Agent Droid. Take it away, Chris. It says here that this comes from Twitter, the first yeah. one. Oh, yeah. And it comes from Jedi Tales. And they simply say, love this episode. I don't know if they mean the episode of Double Agent Droid or if they mean the episode as in us talking about Double Agent Droid. But either way, I'll take it. I will say they're super duper nice. So... <laughs> Um, our next one actually comes from Facebook, and it comes from Paul C. Kelly. Ooh, yeah. After all your hype of Chopper the Murder Bot, this episode was pretty terrifying to watch, although it would have been even more so if Chopper had free will and was not controlled by Lobots. He might have just been said he was controlled by Lobots. Hmm, think about that. <laughs> Well, thank you, you guys. I'm a guy candy. Oh, picked... what are we going to do? Um, I picked the last one. So you picked this one. I'm down to two. I'm down to one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, we've got... Holy shit. Hoke Yunaman Uji Hoji Asha, which I've tea. just slaughtered tea. <laughs> We've got, have we done the Mamiji Manju yet? Everything that I have left is stuff that we haven't done. So have we done the Momi, I don't know what Momi Manju is. That's well, let's the only, do that. Okay, that's the only one I don't know, like, I don't, I can't identify as a flavor. I still have one of the sweet potatoes left, yes. It looks like it doesn't have anything on there to tell us what that is. It's shaped. Well, it must be it must be a kind of cookie or something. Yeah, because the inside is shaped like a Kit Kat. Well, also if you don't know what we're doing, Chris Chris hates American. uh, Chris hates American Kit Kat. So our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review, and he sent us a bunch of Kit Kats from Japan, which is why we're currently working through them. Oh my God, it's like a peanut butter. Not yeah, a it's got to be it's got to be like copying some sort of cookie. Oh my god. It's not like a peanut butter. It's not quite peanut. It's weird. I cannot identify. Me neither. Oh my I god. I almost was anticipating something maple like cuz the cookie almost looks like it's shaped like a maple leaf, but it's not maple. But it almost has a white chocolate taste, but it doesn't quite have a white chocolate taste. 
I like the little maple leaves like imprinted on the Kit Kat bar. Are there? Mm. And the wafer is like a mix of the chocolate, chocolate and baguette, vanilla wafer. I cannot figure this out. I can't either, but it's, it's delicious. Mmm. <laughs> but yeah, I can't put my finger on it. We got it. some daredevil ones coming up. We got some wasabi ones coming up. Really? We got wasabi. There's what? There's. I think they're in green packaging. Yep. There's wasabi. Oh, oh that must be the. I have one package that's not labeled, so that must be my like not label package. Are they green? Yeah. Mhm. Mm that's oh, wasabi. That's oh, it is wasabi fruit. Look at that. There's 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 three different. There's a regular sake. There's a lime sake, and there's a lemon sake. So I hope we like sake. I don't like the flavor of sake, but. I love the lime and lemon sake. and chocolate. Maybe, maybe I will. I love got... sake. Like I, every time I, I get sushi, I always, unless I'm driving and then I don't, but if I'm not driving, I'm just like, yes, give me sake. I, I love I, sake. I had a bad experience with sake when I was in middle school. We had, um, we had a lot, we, we had a lot of, um, international students at like exchange students at our school. And once a year, <laughs> We, there would be a big like um, dinner where everybody would bring you know food from their country, and um, the Japanese exchange student brought this. It was almost like a flan. Now that I think about it, but it was more cakey. It wasn't as pudding like as flan, but it was basically sort of like a cakey thing cut into little squares and soaked in sake. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> Well, I wasn't expecting it. It was like putting an alcohol swab in my mouth. I was like, ooh, this looks delicious. <laughs> Popped a whole, and you know, it's Japanese. So it's like pop a whole one in your mouth and then start chewing it up. I was just like, wow. Like you could, like, it's sake. You could light your breath. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I was just like, wow, that's bad. I so. I love like on a cold cold winter night like getting sushi with my friends and getting like a cup of hot sake and just like sipping it while I eat sushi like oh it's so good the sake doesn't do it for me it's about, about the wasabi does when I get I haven't had sushi in so long I was so lucky we used to live we used to work the um, Mexican restaurant I used to work with was right next to a very good sushi place and we had a very good relationship with them. So when they wanted Mexican food, we would hook them up and they would just bring us like just gigantic trays of just oh. every kind. And, and it was like whatever they felt like making. So they would make us all these great and they would just bring over like, you know, 20 rolls over to us. And then this gig, you know, like half a baseball sized piece of wasabi just stuck in the middle of it for us. It's just like, uh, we had a big tub of uh, soy sauce at work for, uh, I used to love it. I used to get oh. so much sushi. Otherwise it's like 25 bucks to just sit down and eat there. You know, it's gonna, it's a little expensive, but oh, I love sushi. Oh yeah. Wasabi. I had, I was lucky. I had sushi very recently because um, I got some for me, my stepmom on mother's day and uh it was uh, there was a place like right down the road that was doing pickup so i i picked us some up and i personally love eel on my sushi i'm i'm just a sucker for eel sushi 
and it was so good. <laughs> barbecue eel, man, is just my favorite. I love barbecue eels. So and that much. sort of sweet, that sort of sweet so- fish, fish brown sauce, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so good. Well, anyway. that's all I had. Did you have anything else? <laughs> no. All right, so where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at sushi.com or two true freaks.com i wish we worked for sushi.com sushi.com there's got to be a sushi.com out there um and that is our website it's the coronavirus has thrown a few um um gears gears askew in in our new website but it is coming along and it's oh my god chris there is no one has claimed sushi.com. You claim that domain. There is nobody claims sushi.com. Yeah, you claim that domain. Wow. How can that be? Anyway. I don't know. It says this domain is available for sale. Make an offer. Buy now for oh a million dollars. Oh, that's right. No, so they have claimed sushi.com. <laughs> the more I scroll down, I was I uh, as soon as you said that, I was thinking that was gonna be me. And about 10 minutes off this podcast, I'd be like, Well, signing off, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to buy sushi.com for $13 and then uh, then wait for my cool million. But you can find us at twotruefreaks.com. That's where we got all our podcasts and no sushi. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. And our Twitter feed is run by the steadfast Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. So many adjectives we could use for Gene. Gene. That's, that's a sushi. That's a, that's a eel suction cup. Do you have suction cups? I think that's octopus. You're right. Yeah. Correct. You're correct. I will say I'm not a fan of that. Octopus is like one of the few sushi I don't like. I don't like octopus. I I well my thing about octopus is I don't like eating things that are smart. And my only thing that I will eat octopus in is takoyaki, just because I fucking love takoyaki. So no bacon for hope. It, It is like bacon for hope. Um, but I won't eat octopus in anything but takoyaki. Um, and I don't like sea urchin. I, I'm not a fan of sea urchin. And I don't like uh, fish roe on my sushi. It just has this like weird crunchiness. I, I don't like fish roe. But that's pretty much my sushi. Like, draw the lines. Alright. And let's see, where else? Oh yeah, we're on Facebook too. The Two True Freaks podcast page on Facebook. Where we also post our podcast and you can give us feedback on on our shows that we do and we have the two true freaks cantina where you can just go and chat with other listeners and podcasters from two true freaks and that's about it where can they find hope mullinex you can find me at jazz and jedi i run our twitter account you can also find me at hope mullinex on twitter i also have my website which is geekygirlexperience.com where me and Chris also have a podcast over there called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, and we're currently working our way through Gravity Falls. And I also write fan fiction over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia, and I've been on a She-Ra kick. I'm currently re- working on a She-Ra story because I fucking love She-Ra, you guys. It's my jam. And yeah, so that's where you can find me. 
Next week is a Blue Husbando episode, you guys. Oh, boy. But we also have Lothwolves next week. Finally. Yeah, I'm interested to re-watch the Lothwolves, because I remember I liked them, but I wasn't like... It was before I really kind of wrapped my head around them. There was a little bit of an element of uh, Dave Filoni finally getting his 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 wolves in. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how I feel about it too. Because that's think... how I felt at first, but I warmed up to the I warmed up to the Loth wolves big time as it as it went on. Me too, but I didn't warm up to Loth wolves until after the show finished. So I'm excited to see them in action um, as we go through because it, it's yeah. kind of different from like the Force Priestesses or the Bendu who could vocalize, but the Loth wolves are just kind of like we're mysterious Force creatures. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I they, didn't. They are more like American Indian spirit animal acting sort of things where there's sometimes they're a wolf sometimes they've got a you know they've got a little force in them and and sometimes they can just travel through the planet yeah so i i'm very interested to get into the loft wolves and there's also an indiana jones reference next week so i'm sure i'm ready for it uh, theron does it all right because <laughs> i like i guess that's okay no, it might give me something nice to say about him, so good. It might serve a purpose. <laughs> Alright, you guys, we'll see you next week. Next week! Bye! Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E. F-R-E-A-K-S You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end space and the number two you can find two true freaks on facebook just search for two true freaks Dumbass. if you ever leave your house and you actually have friends why don't you tell them about two true freaks if you've enjoyed our show please won't you take a moment to rate us on itunes that helps others find the show too thanks for listening and join us every monday for new episodes of two, two true, true freaks, freaks. Have you been, Lord, friendly, my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Hey, hey.